Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for our assembly. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word as we come to feed upon it. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you open our hearts, guide the speaker in truth, and I pray, Heavenly Father, that you guide the listeners in discernment of what's being taught this morning. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. And you may take your seats. Yeah, my first experiment was indeed just the other day with um, YouTube and was able to post a video without too much trouble on it. So we are on YouTube now. Um, so anyway, that's great. That's the reason why I'm doing the tweaking in the morning. Some things that I just want to clip off there and trim it down for the recording because only the recording is going to go on there. Full service will go on the regular. Uh, we will be continuing to stream off of the website, but then posting, um, you could go both ways for archives, but posting both YouTube and um, and the other, and that affects it until I get kicked off. <laughs> All right, let's go to our passage. We are continuing our study in the book of Hebrews, a worship book for, um, it is like the Leviticus of the New Testament, uh, as the old, Leviticus is for the Old Testament, Hebrews is for the New Testament. And we're finishing up with chapter 6 and moving into chapter 7. Um, in chapter 6, let's just start with where we are here. Um, this hope, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, the one which enters into within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become the high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Um, the, our spiritual life, sometimes, uh, or no, not sometimes, all times requires and this hope, which I call situational awareness, always knowing where we are and holding on to the course that's set before us, the objective that's set before us. We got to know who we are when we get up in the morning. We must know that the we must know the 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 path in which we are and the upward calling. We understand that the high cost of failing to reach the objective. None of us want to reach. None of us want to die and leave out of this earth. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I remind you all the time that all of us, none of us are long for this earth. We don't know when we're leaving. That is God's prerogative. That's God's design, uh, his sovereign hand. And it, it always takes us by shock. But God takes young and old out of this life on God, according to God's good pleasure. We must do our work where we are today. We must hang on to the hope. That hope is continuing. If we do not, if you get distracted in life, if you let go of the spiritual life, you're going to drift away from it. I believe you know it. At least us older ones do. We get busy with things. You guys are... Uh, you guys are young. Well, we're all young people here. And we have a tendency, while we're trying to get our spiritual footing, we got things in life that we enjoy. That's all right. Stick, you know, enjoy, enjoy life. Whatever your hobbies are, whatever your pursuits are, your, your gym life, your, your, your activities and stuff like that. But do not let it, do not, do not neglect the spiritual life. Because you will drift, you will be subject to drifting away. This is what he's saying is that um, this hope, our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our confident expectation. He is our hope. He is our anchor to the spiritual life. The Hebrews tells us to, uh, to consider him, to con continue to remember him. The author and the perfecter of our faith. Because um, this anchor and this anchors us to the course. So uh, as as the Lord tells Joshua, do not turn to the left or turn to the right from it. Continue to press forward. Continue to press upward. Establish spiritual priorities around the Lord Jesus Christ 
in his word and continue to press forward to the objective. Uh, so the hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, um, and one which enters within the veil. He is the one, and he is that Lord Jesus Christ who entered into the veil. Where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Mount Pilsedek. Let's talk about priesthood for a minute. No one can represent him or herself before God. No one can represent ourselves before the great judge in heaven. There are some people on this earth that says, I want to represent myself. I don't need a lawyer. I'm going to represent myself. This is not before our God. We are sinners before we are sinners and we are wretched before a holy and um, righteous God. When Isaiah and and when you stand before him, we the, as as Proverbs says that um, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. To recognize that one day we are going to stand face to face with him. But how many of us go through life without a thought about God? Even as Christians. Uh, but one day you're going to stand before him. I get this picture of, of the Wizard of Oz. Uh, at, uh, remember the cowardly lion standing before Oz and his knees are knocking. He's, he, he is, and, and finally he runs and jumps out the window. He is terrified. Well, that, that's a humorous way of looking at one day all of us are going to stand in before the great and mighty God. And, um, and we think that we're, we've got all these questions that come up. Well, well I'm going to ask Jesus this and I'm going to, um, and, and I can't wait to see him and, and we have, that's fine. But you know, on the other hand, we might be too terrified at the moment. That is if we, we don't have our spiritual life. You know, now I also have to say, and you're probably saying there on either here or, or Tim, he said, true love casts out fear. And so as we prepare in our lives and as we draw closer to God and a personal love for God, I think that's going we're going to be able to approach the judgment seat with with um with boldness, I mean, with confidence, as Paul said, you know, I fought the good, I fought the good fight. But going back to the fear of how it's going to be when we finally go into it, stand before the judge. When Isaiah entered into the throne room of God, the prophet explained in Isaiah six five, "Woe to me, or, or woe is me, for I am ruined." Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. For my eyes, I uh, for my or as you were, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of Hosts. He recognized his wretched status before a righteous God. Somebody else, give me Genesis twenty-eight sixteen, please. Genesis twenty-eight sixteen, and here it was that sinful Adam ran from the presence of a holy God. Why Why did Adam sin? He, he might have been alright with those fig leaves. As long as it was just him and the woman. But then they heard the Lord approaching. And when Jacob, or, um, and then, uh, and then, so in Genesis chapter 3, we find that he ran from the presence of the Lord. And then later on you have Jacob. And when, Jake, when Jacob had already ran from his brother, he had gone 60 miles out. Some of us have already read that recently as we're reading through the Bible, um, through Genesis. We, he got to a certain place. He gets a rock for his pillow and he's, he goes to sleep. And he has this dream. And God... And God um, 
meet, uh, talks to him in a dream. And then Jacob wakes up. And go ahead and give me that, Grady. Genesis 28, 16 and 17. And Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in, his, in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. That word awesome, Wiley, what else, uh, what else, how else can that awesome be translated? Terrifying. Terrifying. How terrifying is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Very good. So, also, we come to another example, and, and the gate of, when it came to Exodus, these people had left the, uh, they had left Egypt. And they're going through the desert uh, in the wilderness, and they come to the uh, the Mount uh, Sinai. And here it is that the Lord is on the mountain, and He's speaking. There's smoke, and there's lightning, and there's thunder, and everything. Leading up to that point, they thought this would be a pretty good, exciting day. They got their clothes clean. They were they had they had followed Moses' instructions, and they were going to meet their God. They like Forrest Gump, and Forrest Gump said, "Then God showed up, and uh, because He did show up, and the people were terrified, and from that point, they wanted a priest. They wanted someone to stand between them and God. Then um, John, we also had John, and John is a close friend of Jesus. John was Jesus's favorite." And then John goes uh, in the spirit from Patmos to heaven. And in Revelation 1.17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. So standing before God, we need representation. We need the right representation. We must have a priest, you know, and uh, a mediator, an advocate. And we do not and cannot represent ourselves because we're wretched sinners. There is a veil that's in the temple that has invited a priest to come this far. Remember you had in the tabernacle, you had the, you have the tent that first part is called the tent of the meaning. Then you have the holy of holies. That that's the most holy place. The most holy place in all the world was in that place, and it was called the holy of holies. That's where what or what what piece of furniture was in the holy of holies? Ark of the Covenant. Very good. The ark of the covenant was in there, and so keeping you on on the line there, Wally Gunner. Um, once. Or how often would and when would a priest go in? The high priest would go into that Holy of Holies. Once a year. Once a year. And you remember the occasion? Uh, the feast? Okay, anybody? Y'all should have known this. Yom Kippur. Day of Atonement. And that one, once a year, he would come, they would bring the blood in, uh, the high priest would, that one day, would go into the, uh, and, and sprinkle blood on the, on the Ark of the Covenant. Everything was precise, everything was, was, um, everything, and, and it was the high priest that came in. And let's just say, in that day, the, the Levitical priest, came from the line of Aaron, uh, Moses' brother. And you didn't even have to... Now, we, we look at priests and if we in our minds and we think, well, what is a priest? We think, well, somebody who's close to God. No, not necessarily. A priest is one who represents himself to God, or not represents himself, but represents man to God. That is a priest. And so, in the, in the Levitical priest... There was only one qualification, folks. One qualification that you were born into that family. You did not have to even be a believer. And you might say, how can you be a priest and not be a believer? 
That's, that's easy. Let me ask. Let me answer the question with asking a question. How can anyone be a pastor and not be a believer? Do you believe there's such things? Do you believe that there's Sunday school teachers that might be unbelievers? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There are pastors who are unbelievers. And, um, and these priests, uh, again, only qualification is that they were born in, in the line of Aaron. So, the priest appointed by God from the family of Aaron was permitted to go, the high priest, go only once a year into this most holy place to represent the people. And they represented by sprinkling blood on the atonement cover. That gave them temporary atonement, covering for their sins for the next year. So God has always those well those that view you look back in the Old Testament there were those that view God uh, they, let me put it this way they view God in two different ways there are those that say the God of the New Testament is full of grace and mercy and kindness and love compared to the God of the Old Testament which was unyielding and 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 he was he was um, mean basically mean or 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 let's say, say a hard God and that's only rhetoric because we have the same God in both and that God was and is unyielding when it comes to his holiness what happened and it does seem like God is Listen, in the Old Testament, you look at you look at the story of the, the historical account where they're bringing and think about this, folks. They're bringing the ark back from the Philistines. The Philistines said, "We don't want it no more." <laughs> That's a whole story in itself. I won't go on that rabbit trail. They're bringing the 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 ark back. On a cart, and um, and all of a sudden that cart cart started to wobble, and the ark was getting ready to fall, and um, two uh, and two of um, David's son was it David's sons? I'll get back to that. But they reached up to to stabilize the the. Um, the ark. They touched it. It was going to fall off. It's like it's like you, Grady, you, Wiley. You get ready to, to keep this, uh, you know, yeah, that's what you're going to do. You touch, they touched it and they died. Right then. There are those that want to take a peek into the tent. And they died. He said, wow. Um, what a un, uh, you, could, you could say, what an unmerciful God. What, what a hard God that is. Now, there were specifics that they had to follow. Let me put it that way. And something's changed. What would happen today if we found the ark? What would happen today if we found the ark? Would you be afraid to touch it? Yeah. <laughs> reading that, you would. But, no, reading that you, you were. but then, because he died and the veil was ripped, you would assume that all that has been... Put away and no longer. All that's been put away. You see, if okay, the the veil has been torn. What's on the other side of the veil? I used to say that you know it was it was us welcoming us in. Well, that that tabernacle served a temporary. It was temporary. The the tabernacle and the furniture in it was a temporary um, earthly manifestation. Heavenly reality. It, it was, was for a time. time. We found the ark today. No, no, you can look at it. You can Indiana Jones. You know, have you ever seen Indiana Jones? They looked at it and everybody turned to skeletons and all that kind of stuff. No, it served its purpose. It's no longer what it was back in those days, including the veil. What had happened? The our king, our priest, 
has gone through the veil. And that veil isn't a earthly veil, but it's a heavenly one. It's through the heavenlies where he is now in the most holy place. And where is the most holy place? That is in, in the throne room of God where where Jesus where where God the Father is. So many people in this world are preparing for the apocalypse. Many people in this world are uh, oh, you know, the world has come to an end, and I've got to stock up on my food, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and they're preparing for, for the worst. I'm preparing to meet this holy God. And you are too. Every time you open up your Bible, every time you have a Bible study, every time you go to the Lord in prayer, it should be within the mind of building that relationship with the, one, the God that one day you are going to come face to face with. You will come to the face to face with the holiness of God. And like I said, it's, um, I like what um, in Narnia, the, the uh, C.S. Lewis and the Beavers are talking. And little Lucy said, you know, a lion, and lion was the, the, God uh, was the Jesus figure in there, uh, was the picture of Jesus, the, the Lord. And um, Lucy, the human being Lucy, the little girl, she she was talking to the beavers, and the beavers were talking, or uh, Mr. Beaver, or Mrs. Beaver was talking about how great Aslan was, how great this lion was. And she said, he's a lion. She goes, I'd be, I'd be afraid. I, I don't know if I could stand it. And she said, she goes, uh, she goes, I don't know if I can do that. And Mr. Beaver goes, you don't, you're not listening, dearie. He goes, if you're not frightened, you're a fool. Basically, I'm paraphrasing that. I don't have it in front of me. But um, again, we're standing before a, a holy and righteous God. And um, now is the day. Now is the time. That we prepare our hearts for the day that we're going to meet our Lord. And um, that occasion is coming up for all of us. Not only for me, but all of us. And if I'm going to stand before His Holiness, it is vitally necessary that I have a representative. Again, that is our hope. Who, who is our hope? What is our hope, ladies and gentlemen? Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our representative. He is our priest. He's the one who is the forerunner, as the scripture has told us. He is the forerunner. He is already there in the presence of God. Okay? So he is there preparing for us, for us to come. He is the first one. Let's go to, just for a second, let's go to, hold your place in there. Let's go to Psalm 15. Gunner, I'll have you read Psalm 15. O Lord, who may abide in your tent, who may dwell on your holy hill, he who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart, he does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will be shaken. Will never be shaken. Will never be shaken. And this, and for me, this is one of my favorite psalms. It's an encouraging thing. Who can? And it's active. Which one of us can be can reside in his holy hill, on the holy hill? Who would be the first one? Tell me, who's the first one to go in that holy place? The first human being that will enter into that most holy place. Jesus Christ. Jesus. 
the Lord Jesus Christ in his humanity. He is the first one to enter there. He is the Holy, and he's waiting for us. It's, it's as he's told his disciples, I must go, I must go and prepare a place for you. He's already there. He is the forerunner. Um, so he entered the veil. He entered the veil. Not within the tabernacle. But he went through the... Um, he went from there. He, he left there the veil of the heavenlies. To go sit by the right hand of the Father. So when it comes to the torn veil, I used to say that it was a place that welcomed us to come forward and come past. But now I think that torn veil was there only to show us the emptiness of it. Now the unimportance of it. Because there is no Shekinah glory in, that, in the Holy of Holies. The Holy of uh, Holies is in heaven where there is a holy God and where our, our priestly king is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for his people. So, the, so there he represents us. There he is our go-between. Jesus is our mediator. There we say before the awesome presence of God to, to enter into that. Like I said, he is the first one in that place. And so when we go there, we have a representative. We made that represent, we chose that represent when we are on this earth. That, and when we heard the gospel that Jesus Christ provides eternal life for anyone that trusts in him for it. We trusted him. We became born again. We are, we are now his. And it's through his blood, through his sacrifices, through his priestly function, that we are allowed, uh, as we see in Psalm 15, we are allowed, we are given the open door to be with him. To be in the Holy of Holies. He is our forerunner. He is the one who went before us. He is the one who's there to prepare the place for us. It's, and he's going to be with us. He's going to be our representative in heaven. He's going to be with us. Hebrews says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I've always considered that as a earthly promise. But it's not only an earthly promise, it's also a heavenly promise. And in and, and 1 Thessalonians, when we leave this body and go and, and meet the Lord in the air, there we will always be with the Lord. Where the Lord is, we will be. Amen. To the thief on the cross, he's saying, remember me. When you enter into your kingdom and the and he says the thing, today I tell you that you will be with me in paradise. He is our priest. He is our high priest. He is the one. And again, I want you to get this point that we need that representation. And our representation is Christ. When we are at our worst, when we are, when we have sinned, when we, uh, when we have fallen, and we don't think that there is not a turnaround and, and, um, or we might have, th we might, somebody may have said, well, you cannot be doing that or whatever. Um, fact is, we have a representative. Paul, John says, John says that, I tell you this, that you may not sin, but if you do sin, you have a parakletos, an advocate. I like what my buddy Jay says. He tapped, you know, when, when we are being accused by Satan, Satan is an accuser. The devil is an accuser for, for us all. And when we sin, we have that voice inside of us. 
And that voice, I don't know if you've ever heard that little voice, but that little voice says, and you call yourself a Christian. But we have a representative. And that representative comes and pats us on the shoulders like a courtroom. Things don't look good for us. But here comes our advocate, our lawyer, our attorney, which is Jesus Christ. He taps us on the shoulder. He says, I got this. I got this. So those in hell have no representation. Those, in, those that will live forever in the eternal lake of fire have no representation before God. They, they, they've taken their life in this, in this life, they have claimed independence from God. I don't believe in God. I don't want God. I reject Jesus. When somebody rejects Jesus, you, it's fine for you, but not for me or what, whatever their story is, and they reject Jesus, what they have done is they have rejected their high priest. And they have rejected the only representation that they're going to have to, to be able to live and stand before a holy God. They claim independence from God in this life. They chose to stand according to their own integrity. So the writer tells the Jews, and remember our context is here the Jews were they were going back they were they were going back to Judaism see we have a better high priest we don't have the old system of Judaism we no longer have a priesthood that we have to go to a priest and represent our high priest is the Lord Jesus Christ and those that were leaving and going back to Judaism were putting Jesus back upon the cross and they were in, in their action they were claiming they were they were claiming that um, Jesus is not their high priest so the, the writer writes to the Jews to go back what, what are they going back to they're going back to a system that's no longer in play why do you want to go back to being represented by a Levitical priesthood when you can enjoy what Abraham enjoyed and is being represented by a Melchizedekian priesthood? Huh? No, it's a deer. <laughs> um, yeah, they're passing through. <laughs> All right. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor, the soul, a hope, both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. The veil is the heavens, and it is our high priest who passed through those that veil. Hebrews, somebody give me Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. Again, I say that we no longer, it's no longer that tabernacle. It served its purpose for its time. And it was a picture of, it, it pictured our Lord Jesus, the high priest going into the Holy of Holies. That was a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ passing through the heavenlies and sitting at the right hand of the Father. Uh, who's got, who's got 14 for, or uh, 414 for me? Go ahead. 2.16 Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we have this forerunner, and he's already there, as we've already read in Psalm 15. He's already there, and he is 
already representing us this day, even though we are still in the body, he's still at the right hand making intercession for us. He is my lamb. He is my propitiation for my sins. He is my high priest. He has gone before me as, as the priest himself preceded. He's the forerunner. He's going past this word for forerunner. I don't have my overhead. But this word for pro um, is proramas. And proramas means the one that runs ahead. And Jesus has gone ahead for us to establish a, uh, a place for us, to represent us. And um, he's already entered into that promised land. And this is a picture that we have in Joshua 3, verse 1. All right, let's go to Joshua 3, verse 1 with me. Prior to the, prior to the, um, all right, let's get there. That's Joshua 3, verse 1. Prior to the, uh, going into the promised land, the first thing that went first was that tabernacle, or was the Ark of the Covenant. Now, uh, uh, Michael, you read that one? Um, Joshua 3, 1 through 6. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from, was it Shittim? And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from the place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Okay. So there's a beautiful picture here of what we're talking about in Hebrews. That the Lord is the forerunner. That ark was um, that ark that went ahead and, and the priest that went ahead of the of the people and they were to follow. Um, Jesus is the first one to enter into uh, as a human being. Now, when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about his hypostatic union. His, his, somewhere in the universe, somewhere, someone beyond the universe, somewhere there is a human being, a human representative, because a priest is a human being, that he is sitting, um, that he is sitting in the throne room next to God. That's another thing about this priest. Priest did not stand in this tabernacle. But our Lord Jesus Christ, having his work complete, now sits, he says, at the cross, it is finished. So it allows that, uh, that work was complete. Again, that's a, a, a story for all of us, that we don't have to add anything to what Jesus, our priest, did. Again, we said, uh, I think Alistair Begg has this great thing online that I, read, I looked at one time and said, He's with me, and he's to, or the man. I think it's the man in the middle. I think that's what they, what it was called. And it's about um, the thieves on the cross. And he says, "I'm with him. I'm with him." So Jesus, the one who said, "I, I am the way, the truth, and the light," is the one that leads us into the the heavenly land, and so we shall be there forever with the Lord. He's our high priest, and he's better than any Levitical high priest who may or may not have been believers, but was born in the family, being born in the family of Aaron was their only um, qualifications. So our better representation is the one that comes from the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 20. 
where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. You see, when we're dealing with the Old Testament Levitical priesthood, there was one tribe that the king, kings would come from, and there was another tribe that the priests would come from. Where was the tribes again? Where was the tribes that came, that was the priestly line? From uh, Aaron. Aaron, or Le the, the Levitical priest, the high priest would come from the line of Aaron. Okay, here, here's, you're going to have to go back a little bit. Uh, I'm schooling here, or go back to the question. What, what was the kingly line? David. David, um, prior to that, we just read it, um, that uh, Jacob said to one of his sons that um, that the scepter will not part from your hands until Shiloh comes. Who did Jacob say this to? Which of the sons? Judah. Judah, very good. Judah is the kingly line. And so you got a you got a priestly line, you got a kingly line. They're both separate families, Levitical and Ju um, Judean, I guess, Judah. So you got the two lines. When you come to Jesus, he is a kingly priest. We know uh, there is no longer a a family priesthood that that we have to go to. And that was the Jews that went to it. So this was the order of Melchizedek. Not only, when you said the order of Melchizedek, he was not only a king, but he was also a priest. So once again, listen to you Jewish believers who are tempted to leave the faith and return back to Judaism. Your priesthood, your representation is no longer from the line of Aaron. Your hope, they can represent these priests who will lead worship. They will don't they they have they will sacrifice animals. They were and and take your take your offerings and all that. But these they were they cannot represent you as the Lord Jesus Christ can. The very one that's coming from such a high priesthood that our father Abraham gave a tenth to. That brings us to Hebrews chapter 7, 1 through 3. I've got this. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham appointed tenth part of all his spoils, was the first of all by the Translation of his name, King of Righteousness. Then also the King of Salem, which is Jerusalem, which is the King of Peace. And Jerusalem, that Salem or Sharon is the, is the uh, word for peace. Without a father, without a mother, without a genealogy, having neither beginning of the days nor the end of days, but Made like a son of God, he remains a priest perpetually. Now observe how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of his choicest spoils. And those indeed of the sons of Levi who received the priest's office have commandment in the law to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from the brethren, Although, the, although these are descended from Abraham, and we'll, we won't get that far today. So this takes us back. When you're, when you're studying the Word of God, and you see something, uh, let's say like, if you're going to study love, if you're going to study um, any, any subject, love or righteousness, or, or um, something, a, a ritual, or, or something within the Bible, fasting or whatever, um, whatever subject, it's always a good thing to go back to the very beginning. Go back to the first place that you find this. And where is the first place that we find Melchizedek? In 
Genesis. Oh yeah, in Genesis. Is that a question or is that Genesis. is that is that an answer or que question? Genesis. Yeah. So let's go back to Genesis chapter fourteen, and we got just enough time to pick up a little bit about who Melchizedek. The first time that we meet Melchizedek in the Bible. Abraham had just returned from the war, having a great victory over, over four kings from the east, over in the um, Babylonian area. King by the name of Cataliomer. They came and defeated the vassal kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and those, and those surrounding territories over there at the, um, over there around where the Dead Sea is now over in that area. A vassal, the vassal, uh, the, the vassal had to pay homage to the Cesarean. The Cesarean was these kings of the east. And it was Keteliomer along with his allies. And so king of Sodom, king of Gomorrah, king of Zoar, these other kings, but king of Bela, they had to pay homage to the kings of the east. They finally got fed up and said, no, we're not going to pay. Um, we're not going to pay anymore. We're not going to pay homage. I think they, I think they got, uh, there's probably a history and there's probably a reason why they decided they're not going to pay anymore. They're not going to pay an homage to these kings. Well, king Ket, led by King Ketelelomer and these other kings came and they defeated the four kings. And, and defeat him. Um, easily. And they made off with hostages. And they made off with all the um, spoils of war. And they'd probably been alright if they had just... If, if they would have probably been alright and they would have probably made it home and no problem and that would have been the end of the story. But Cataliomer made a mistake. What was that mistake? He took the nephew of Abram. And, and when Abram got word of it, he, Abram's not going to let his family just, okay, well, Lot, I'm sorry for you. No, Lot was his nephew. And he's going to go and uh, he's going to rescue him. He has uh, 318 trained men in his household and he gets his allies and he went out and he defeated King Cataliomer. Now, do you think that do you think that Abraham was a hero at this point? Abram, he just he just listen. This guy, he just defeated what nobody nobody else could touch. Matter of fact, I could go into it. I could show you how these kings also defeated the Raphaim, the giants. These were some bad dudes, but Abraham. They defeated the kings, which they are defeated. So Abraham took the spoils. You think Abraham's a bad dude? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a, he, Abraham is a mighty warrior. So he comes back. He, he gets the spoils of war. He's got all this. He's got, he gets spoils of war, including all the hostages. He's coming back. He's a hero. A Abraham, at this point, I think could have set himself up as a king. I think that everything that he could have wanted could have been provided. Right then, he just for the taking. He wanted offspring. He could have had a harem. A whole harem full of Hagars. He could have had a whole percentages. He came back, he, could, he came back, had a could have had a ticker tape parade. He could all the hoorah hit this guy was a hero. They they were probably setting him up politically, and and like I said, these kings are defeated. They're done. Uh, Abraham could have just waved them off. So you you kings are nothing. But what does Abraham do when he comes into the land? First thing, coming back, is he worships. He worships. He worships the Lord. He meets a representative. It's it's strange because this is where we meet Melchizedek. 
His name means King of Righteousness. And he is a priestly king. We don't have a Levitical priesthood yet, but he is a king, but he also represents the high king. Who's that sound like? Sounds like the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't it? Because our Lord Jesus Christ is our representative. We just started talking about that. But who is the king that's going to sit in Zion and rule over this world? It's going to be our priestly king, our representative. So, here it is that Abraham could have had everything that he wanted at this point. But you know what kept him humble? The right view of God. He could have, and, and this could have been good enough. And good enough could have been great. Good enough could have been having everything that he wanted. I mean, the richest. I mean, here's the king of Sodom. He offered him money. Or he offered, here, you give me the people, you take the loot. He could, no telling how much that was. But the thing that kept him from going out of bounds was his relationship with the Lord. Listen. All of our testing isn't just adversity testing. We also have prosperity testing. Testing is anything that, that Satan uses or the world uses or the demonic unseen realm uses to get you off balance. And you might think, that oh wow you know you just you've just got a check for a hundred two hundred three hundred thousand dollars and you might be saying look how the Lord blessed me look what God just did for me I am I am rich I can buy a house I can car I do all right you you hit the lottery look what God has done for me listen. The Lord has allowed it, but the Lord has allowed it just like he'll allow adversity. Because those riches may be nothing more than a distraction, a test. Or you can continue to honor God. Listen, everything that we have, and when our blessing from our vehicles to our house to our bank account to everything that we have in prosperity, the, first, the thing that should enter in our mind, how am I using this? to the glory of God. Abraham did not get his, because of victory, Abraham did not get his eyes off God. This is how he passed that test. And he comes into the land and the first thing he does is he meets up with the, uh, the representative of the, the priest, the kingly priest, Melchizedek. And so, this question once again is, do we settle for good enough rather than waiting for the full promise of God? And because I say because of this, what what they what he had done with Melchizedek and, and this relationship here. Let's go back to Genesis here. Fourteen, seventeen. Mm-hmm. After he had returned from the feet of Kedileomer, kings were with him, and the kings of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheba. That's King's Valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. What's, what is that? Communion. 
That's communion. That's exactly right. Um, bread and wine. Now he is the part of the priest of the Most High God. Who, so he brings that out to his royal, to Abraham. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham. Who is the he? Who's being blessed here? He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram, the Most High, possessor of the heavens and the earth. It is Melchizedek who is blessing Abraham. Abraham is the most celebrated person probably in all the land. To this day, Abraham's name is great throughout all the world. God has said, your name will be great. But he's not, he doesn't have the, great, the greatest of names. It is those who are doing the blessing will bless the lesser. I thought it was interesting how Pharaoh, um, how Jacob, when Jacob was with King, the King Pharaoh, that Jacob actually best blessed Pharaoh rather than Pharaoh blessing him. It is always the, 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 top, the top one who blesses the lesser one. And here it's Melchizedek blessing Abraham. And, um, and it was Abraham who gave him, a, gave him a tenth of all. So here's 10% of all the spoils he gives him. Now you have Abraham, the lesser, giving the tenth to the greater. So as great as Abram, Abram is at the moment and will be in the future. Melchizedek is the ranking member of the of the present party. Now I wonder when you're looking at this, I wonder if the men, where, where was Abraham's men? His 318 and all the people around them. I, I just wonder in my mind's eye if they were all in view and if they were watching this. Melchizedek was the priest before God who represented this great man to Almighty God. See, Abraham wasn't the top. The top. There was the, the one that Abraham was to bow a knee to and it was Melchizedek who was acting as a representative to uh, between and that go between the mediator, between Abraham and Almighty God. So a point of application. We will have our worst days, like Job. Where we will have to face tragedy. And we will have our great days, where we will have our victories. We will... But Jesus Christ is the one where we find our humility, where we keep our our balance and and life, where we where where we continue to remember that He is our hope, He is our representative, and where we're going through the trials, whether we're going through the uh, prosperity testing, we continue to press forward to that high ground, communion with the Lord. Remember, and communion is, is koinonia, it's fellowship, is continuing to knowing who our God is and knowing who we are before our great and mighty God. And it was our G, our, the Lord Jesus Christ in the order of Melchizedek. He is our king, but he's also our priestly, he's also our priest, the one who represents us before the throne room in heaven. All right, we will, let's close out in prayer and then we will, um, have our closing hymn. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity today to have fellowship and in your word. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that as our anchor, that we do not lose sight of who and what Jesus Christ is in our lives. For us, for what he's done for us, what he continues to do for us, that he is our high priest. He's already in the heavenly realm, sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. I pray in all humility that we keep our eyes fixed on the author and the perfecter of our faith. 
but we do not have a such a high priest that cannot sympathize with our infirmities, but one that has been tested in all things. Certainly we have our trials, and we do have our victories. But we all, between the bad and the good, we continue to have that priest who continues to represent us. Let us keep our eyes fixed upon him. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. And let us close it out this morning with the, um, what is it, Brady? Behind of my soul. All right, let us stand. Mm -hmm.